Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome back to the School of Laughs podcast. Rick Roberts here along with me today is Chad Ryden. How's it going, Chad? Pretty great. America's favorite comedian of all time, Chad Ryden. Thank that's, you. That's right. I do remember that. America's favorite comedian of all time, which probably puts you on a hit list for people that hate America. Come at me, man. I'm ready. He's, he's loaded with jokes. Uh, Chad, we had on last year, almost at the same time, maybe a little later in the year. Yeah. And Chad was going to put on this record-breaking Guinness Book show. And, and he did. did it. Yeah. And so today we're going to talk about some things he learned from that show, some fun things that happened during the show, challenges, those kinds of things. We're also going to talk about 2.0. You're going after it again. Yeah, we're going to break our own record by five minutes. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Yeah, well, it was the greatest, dumbest thing we ever did, and we thought, why not? What's more pointless than breaking a world record? Do it by five minutes. Break your own world record by five minutes. So that's what we're going to do. It's pretty cool. So if you haven't listened to the previous podcast, don't know what we're talking about. Set the stage, Chad. How long was the show? How many days did it play, take place? What was the previous record? A little backstory. Previous record was 80 hours, uh, and that was achieved by uh, the Laugh Factory in Los Angeles, I don't know, 2006, I think. And there's been several. The Previous to that, it was 50 hours. Previous to that, I don't know, 30 so we ended up doing 184 hours and 16 minutes, which is essentially eight days. Uh, we started at 12.04 on April 12th, 2015. That's a Sunday afternoon. And then we went all the way through the week. We broke the world record Wednesday uh, at like 8 p.m. And the Guinness World Record judge guy came up on stage and presented us with the plaque. And uh, the comics carried DJ Buckley, my co-producer, out on their shoulders. And, and then I had to do a set while everybody's all hyped up. So I did like a 30-minute set. And then, we, you know, we just continued the show. We broke the record, but we wanted to really break it. So we did, yeah, we kept going for another like four or five days and ended up stopping uh, Monday, April 20th at 4.20 in the morning. Uh, 420 on 420. Yeah. There must be some significance to that. Well, I don't I don't know what it is, uh, <laughs> but people get excited about it. So, no, we were going uh, – like the original plan was to go through Sunday evening and end it with my normal show. The Spiffy Squirrel Comedy Show every Sunday night w- was going from 630 to, to 8, and we thought, well, we'll just end it at 8. But then it's like, no – like 420, like duh, they, they're going to print what date and time this was done. So we might as well like go and plus like you want it. What do you want to do? Hang out and have an after party? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's just do this. People until, are in town. Yeah. The, let's do the this moment until 420 in the morning. And we had a great time. That last stretch, that last day was my favorite. We had so much fun and it was, a, it was just a ball. And then we went home and slept for the next three days. <laughs> I'm sure, man. Like, I know I did a couple of sets and popped in in the afternoons yeah. and, and did some time. And there were people... Uh, this t- this took place at the East Room in Nashville, little little bitty club, mm-hmm. um, concrete cinder block building basically had us a little loft in the back yeah. upstairs, and there was somebody crashed out, three or four people crashed out at all times. You know, if you needed a comic, you just go wake somebody up, throw some coffee in them, and send them to the stage. That's it. And so we, you had the backup plan, that. yeah. And that was the reason it worked. We had about sixty five volunteers from the community, just comedy fans who wanted to help, and we could not have done it without them. But also the comics who are who were in it and really used it for what it was worth. You could come in like some people are busy and working into their schedule. They'd come in and do one day, maybe two or three sets or whatever, whatever they could do with their schedule. Some guys, locals mostly, stayed the whole week and didn't even leave the building. 
And they you know, started off doing 15-minute sets and then worked their way up to 30, 45. And then at some point, uh, after four or five days, people stopped doing their old material and were writing on the spot and were able to do an hour, hour and a half, two, three-hour sets without um, even thinking about it or preparing at all. Isn't that great? It was amazing. It was like this comedy boot camp. And so like that was pretty cool to watch and yeah they they did they turned the the balcony of the club it's an indie rock venue and he turned the balcony up into like this comics lounge so we roped it off and you couldn't go up there if you weren't a comic but if you had your lanyard going up there and there were several couches and like some food set up and stuff and just a place to crash essentially and so a lot of people did that and it, it came down to it where a couple times about three in the morning i would have to go up there and because the the rules of guinness was you had to do a 15 minute set and at least uh-huh. and then um but you could go as long as you wanted but once you get off stage you can't go back on for another four hours you have to wait four hours before you're eligible again and so like you know if somebody missed a shift at two in the morning and i didn't have anybody eligible i would have to go upstairs and wake somebody up and I did that many times. I uh, like my favorite example is I, I kicked Nerado more in the leg, and I was like, "Hey man, can you help me split like this three and a half hour block?" And he he woke up, he went outside, he smoked a cigarette, and he got on stage and he told jokes for like an hour and fifteen. That's awesome. Just out of a dead sleep, and he killed it. He was amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Now there was yeah. there was a lot of moving parts in this thing. You had to have like you said the four hour separation between sets. Sets yeah. had to be fifteen minutes long at least. Uh-huh. Couldn't be guitar comedy. You Yeah, there was specific rules. It's got to be stand-up comedy. Um, they allowed props. They allowed uh, uh, they allowed some stuff, but they didn't allow, like, comedy teams. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have, like, a sketch. You couldn't have you, – you could improvise within your set, but you couldn't do an improv game right. or something like that. You would have to do stand-up. And so there was a lot of things that kind of structured. And at first, like, you think, oh, this is kind of limiting, but – um, the rules were good. Like Guinness, they, they make you have uh, prove proficiency as a comic too. So that weeded out some people that we wouldn't have wanted to deal with anyway. So right. you, you had to prove you had 20 paid gigs by uh, providing some documentation in that. Um, like and 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 that helped. And so then one of those gigs had to be previous to a year before the show started too. So that meant everybody had been doing comedy and getting paid at it for at least a year, which which really. As a baseline, that's a good place to start, I think. Yeah, especially when you've got a that that many comics coming in. There, somebody that's brand new off the street. Yeah, can wreck the whole thing. Right, and and you know even a seasoned veteran can wreck the whole thing. We had a lot of celebrities stop in because we did it at the same time as the Wild West Comedy Festival, and a lot of guys stopped in. We had Hannibal Burris, uh, Roy Scovel, Nate Bergazzi was there a lot. Um, he, he's bought a house. He, he's back in Nashville now. So mm-hmm. um, Nate, Nate uh, helped uh, even drove some of these guys over here. So we had uh, Killer Bees, Hannibal Burris, uh, and with Hannibal came uh, uh, Al Jackson, great comic. Brilliant, but he was tired, and so like it was late afternoon when Hannibal and Al were there, and we were up in the comics lounge, and I was telling him, I was like, yeah, do whatever you want, blah, blah, blah. It's got to be 15-minute set. We'll give you a light at 15 to let you know it's safe to come off now. It doesn't mean get off. You do whatever amount of time you want. And Al was asleep on the couch when we were saying that, and so he gets up to do his set, and he did uh, about nine minutes. And then he, he was like, all right, you know, I'm out, you know. And I was in the back of the room, and I s- sprinted to the stage. I was like, no, waving my arms. I was like, no, you have to do five more minutes. And he was like, what, five more minutes? We're like, yes. And, you know, because we were worried. Right, right. If he'd have gotten off stage, that would have been the end of it. Right. And we hadn't broken the record at that point yet. Oh, my. It was going to be like three hours from now when we were going to break the record. 
and he did. You know, he he's a pro. He just did six more minutes. Or whatever. Yeah, he thought he got a standing ovation encore. He didn't realize he, had, he was supposed to be up there for five yeah. or six more. That's he, yeah, and he was doing great. He just you know he did a set and he was like, all right, I'm done. I'm not like, no. <laughs> but hilarious. yeah, anybody could ruin it. So that's like that was cool that we had you know people that we trusted to 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 be able to go and pull it off and everything. And then the people that didn't qualify that really wanted to help local comics. Well, there's plenty of shows in town, and you've got a year to, to go get paid gigs and be eligible for next year. But most of them went and volunteered and helped us out in other ways, which was invaluable. Like, we couldn't have done it without them. Yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. I, you know, I, I think the first set I did was probably three or four days into it, you yeah. know, maybe two or three days into it. And you could see, like, a little bit of haggard comics yeah. walking around, yeah. uh, Monty Mitchell smoking in the in the alleyway, all yeah. this kind of stuff. And it's, it had that cool <laughs> feel to it, you know? Yeah. And I know, um, you know, because of the podcast, a couple of my buddies came in. You know, we had a guy come up all the way from Texas. Mm-hmm. They kind of planned a little trip around it. Yeah. Had some people come in from Virginia, Florida, I think. How many comics did it take to pull off the record? Do you, do you we, know? We had about 100 comics perform. I, I'm not sure exactly. It was, about, it was around 100. Okay. And I, uh, I realized quickly, yeah, the people who came from all over the country were amazing. Like, we had a really good turnout and a lot of enthusiastic people who wanted to be a part of it. And, yeah, did and did a great job. And then our locals really stepped up, and then we had different scenes uh, come and do. I, I told people, I was like, carload with your buddies, mm-hmm. get four or five comics together, we'll do a branded show. So we had Memphis night, we had you know, Atlanta night, we had all these different themed nights, Birmingham or Huntsville, and uh, you know, our favorite guys from those towns would be like the funniest guys in Memphis, you know, and boom. And then we did a block of shows and branded it that way. And that was that was really neat. That worked out well because then people can carpool and they can work on arrangements and a hotel or whatever to de- together and uh, split the cost, you know. And and then they, people would sell merch too. So like <laughs> even though the show didn't pay, like so people made money on it even, you know. That's cool. So that was pretty cool. What are some things that popped up besides, you know, maybe comics just about to get off stage too soon that – uh, you didn't just logistically. I'd imagine there were some things that popped up. You're like, oh, we need to fix this. We got eight more days of this. We got to fix this problem now. Yeah. What were some early things that kind of threw you off? Uh, the first for me was documentation for Guinness. Like we weren't completely organized as well as we could have been, and that was a learning process. So like comics, I did. Uh, comics had to provide 20 paid gigs, and it's just a list. It's date, venue, city, state. That's all we need. And, you know, some people were giving it to us on a cocktail napkin. Right. Some people were emailing it to me. Some people were Facebooking it to me. Some people were just, you know, sending it via uh, ESP. And it's like getting all these different sources together into one thing. Because we have to turn this documentation in. And we had to present it before our um, our judges on site. We had we had to have two observers on site, uh, basically taking notes on what everything that happened and keeping a log and two separate logs going and watching the time and doing all the stuff and au- basically auditing the show on behalf of Guinness. And so each comics documentation had to be presented in front of these people and signed off by those people. So like all of that stuff had to be coordinated, and we were not organized in doing that. So that was a, an issue: is getting all that organized and then getting those judges papers signed because they had to sign a paper after every shift and then um like all that kind of paperworky mm-hmm. stuff and so what we've done this time is we've got a submission form where people just put all that in the form and it's in a database and i don't have to deal with napkins that's awesome <laughs> you know so that's more that's one way we learned and we were organized and we made it better um the other thing just uh yeah logistically uh, Doing that kind of stuff. I know you had a live stream going. That, that was the other issue. Yeah. Okay, so we had to videotape every single second of the show 
for documentation purposes for Guinness. And so my first idea was we're going to live stream this, and as part of that, YouTube will archive the video, and that will be our documentation that we send to them. And I also had a video camera set up to record on SD cards, uh, and which was a better quality thing, and then also would be able to give comic sets. And then we had uh, another thing, too, that we were trying to do. And what I did not anticipate was the internet connection uh, wasn't always great, mm -hmm. and it was overloaded a lot. And so we would be recording and archiving video, but sometimes people watching the live stream, it would cut out. Maybe too many people watching, maybe the bandwidth wasn't good enough. And so that was an issue, and I started getting worried. I was like, okay, if we're not getting out, what happens if um, my SD card process fails, or I'm not here, or my local archiving process fails, and we're not archiving the video also on YouTube. If we don't have our documentation, we're totally screwed. So I went, uh, I just left the show midday, and I went to Best Buy, and I bought a security system, a four-camera security system, and uh, I just basically set up security cameras on the stage. So I had a four-camera shoot <laughs> at the show, <laughs> right, right. and I just set it at 720 quality in constant record, and so then I recorded the entire rest of the week on a four-camera security video shoot. So you've got that for this next time around? Yeah, I've already. Go. so that's an expense we already have taken care of, and we're, we'll have that in place already. Now, this time, uh, because of that, we're doing our sponsorships a little smarter. So uh, I'm getting an ISP sponsor to make sure our Internet connection is perfect. I'm going to get a live streaming sponsor to make sure that's taken care of by somebody, not me. And then uh, all this other stuff. Uh -huh. Like, I'm, I'm trying to outsource everything that was a pain in the butt last time. That's, that's <laughs> and, great. And get it handled by sponsors. And how much, I mean, roughly did it cost to put this thing on? The total I'm, budget for the show was about $13,600. Okay. Uh, that included a fee to Guinness, which was $8,000. Now, they, they have different packages, and um, but for them to send a guy in the suit to personally present the plaque... Um, that level was $8,000. I'd like to be that guy. It's a sweet job. Think uh, about it. Our, our judge, Michael, uh, was amazing. Like he, We were talking to him. He'd just flown back from Africa where he'd been on this thing, and he did, judged a thing there, and then he had a few days off. He lives in New York City, and then he flew down here. Well, we flew him down. We bought a plane ticket, put him up in a nice hotel, uh, provided him food and transportation. So he had no expenses, and he just came in and uh, – uh, we picked him up from the airport, took him to his hotel. He rested, uh, enjoyed himself, and then we brought. He came down to the show about when Hannibal Burris was on stage. So it was about six p.m., and he gets there. He looks through all of our documentation. He talks to the witnesses we had and the the judges on site, and then um, kind of evaluated everything. And he was really impressed. He wasn't a comedy fan. It, but he knew like big box names. He knew who Amy Schumer was, mm -hmm. you know. But he didn't know who Hannibal Burris was. But he was really enthusiastic about what we were doing. And then you know his time. So like eight oh four p.m. I think is when we actually broke the record. And so then yeah, after DJ's set, it, it, the record was broken while DJ Buckley was on stage. And then um, then he brought he came up and he presented the plaque to both of us. And then I did my set. So like uh, and then he was back in the car straight to the hotel. And in the morning, uh, flew right out and was on to the next thing. I would love to be that guy. Everywhere Pretty you go, amazing gig. people are happy to see you. Unless yeah. it's the world record for the longest Ebola case or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, there might be a I couple don't of think those. They even <laughs> the shortest <laughs> Ebola case. Yeah. That's what I'd celebrate. Not yeah. the longest. But yeah, that guy, everywhere he goes, people are happy to see him. He's like Santa Claus. It's like when I do Barney Fife. People are like, yeah, I like yeah. that guy. Yeah. You know, it, they just want to talk to you. You're, that's a good gig. Yeah, it was amazing. And I, I just thought, man, I, I should have. I'm, I'm in the wrong business. Like, that's, that's a party everywhere you go. Everywhere we, you go, something amazing is happening. 
We need to start like a comedy certification record based <laughs> yeah. organization where right. the best set somebody ever did. We'll just go see that set. Yes, that was the best set you ever did. Yes. Eight thousand dollars, please. That's right. We <laughs> I'll laugh you as hard as I can for three hours for eight thousand bucks. That's a no brainer, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, that's pretty cool. So. Um, Man, that's a, it was a cool experience, and you got lots of great media coverage from it. We got international press. Like, it's a mm-hmm. big deal. People, The criticism I did here was, ah, oh, this is a novelty. Who cares about World War? Well, yeah, it is a novelty. <laughs> right. that, that's the whole point. Right. It we gets got, noticed. We got international press because of it and a local press, too, which was what more important to me. Uh, people heard about it, and they loved it. And we had an amazing festival going on, but people were really talking about our show. Bargatze was telling me that he was in the airport a, a couple weeks later, and he somebody was coming up and talking to him about about our show. That's cool. That dude's done amazing stuff. And they were talking to him about us. Right. Like, that's crazy. It is crazy. So, I mean, the, the support we got locally and the people who came out of the woodwork who d- had no idea there was even a local scene, despite all of our efforts right. for all these years, they had no idea. And then it's like, so this comes on Channel 5 in town and people are like, whoa. And they came down and some people came would have breakfast with us and, and watch it. Like we had free coffee for people and sometimes catered uh, breakfasts. People would come and watch comedy with us before work, go into work, do a shift, come back for lunch and have their lunch break with us, and then go back to work, and then come back when they got off and stay until they had to go to bed. We had people who did that every single day for eight days. Which you needed, to Tell them about how many audience members you needed. Oh, that's true. So we had to have 10 audience members at all times. And so like that, we thought – and that became an issue sometimes during the day. Um, and, and super late at night. And the way we combated that was like uh, local comics and volunteers and other people showed up who just like, no, we're here. We want to hang out anyway. We'll just be here and support with our butt in the seat, which was amazing. Like uh, some of these uh, Zanies wait staff uh, came down multiple nights and just were like, you know, we just got off work at Zanies. We had a great time. We're here. The after party is here and we're going to be here to help make this happen. And uh, like nobody told them to do that, but they did it because they love what we do. And that kind of support, like a, a server, a server in his early 20s who comes down to support us, man, that's all I need. And so like people like that did it. And the, and that's that's what was, was really great is seeing the whole scene come together to work towards this common goal. Uh, that was neat. It's pretty you know? awesome. Yeah. And that's going to give you a lot of momentum going into this new year. Um, I would hope all the, all the great things that happen. And, the, and you've got the names of people who were willing to do it before. Yeah volunteers, sure. those kinds of things. What can I help you get the word out about as far as, let's start with comics that are listening. Yeah. Uh, you know, Chad mentioned, get six or seven of your buddies from whatever town you live in. Come on down. And come on down. How would they contact you first off? What, what's the best place to go fill out that form and get going? NashvilleStandup.com uh, is our hub. Now, there's a, a sub-site of that, Nashville Standup slash Broken Record Show. If you go to Nashville Standup, you'll find it. And it, all the information is there. There's a submission form. It's very simple. It would take five minutes. It, it, the hard work, the homework is getting your list of 20 gigs together. Once you've got that, it's a link to your website, your Facebook, your Twitter, uh, cut and paste your bio in there, and it's basic contact information. We are charging a $10 fee uh, submission fee, and we're trying to weed out undesirables with this fee. And the fee goes up eventually. It goes up $5, I think, uh, February 1st, and another $5 uh, April 1st. But uh, anybody listening to this podcast who wants to submit, we're, we're not in the business of making money off of comics. That's not what I do. We're putting on a comedy show. So if you submit using promo code SCHOOL OF LAUGHS, all caps, 
uh, free submission. Hey. So uh, we'll waive the submission fee completely. We're not trying to make money off of you. We are just trying to weed people out. But people listening to the show are trying to improve themselves and get better and work at their act. And so, uh, and it's also a good way to track that they came from you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So that's good. That same co- coupon code will work in the Nashville stand-up store for any item. So we've got a couple CDs for sale and a few more that we've produced that are about to be released in this next week or two. Um, there's tickets to the show. So if you're just a fan and you want to show up and you're in the area or you want to make a road trip, use School of Laughs coupon code to uh, for 10% off all tickets and anything in the store. Sweet. Um, so that'll, that'll be a good bonus. But yeah, go to the National Stand Up and list all the stuff there. Okay, and if, if somebody wanted to sponsor anything, Absolutely. same place? There's a, a sponsor page uh, on that same site where you can click and there's a, a PDF packet we can send you with all the information and packages, but we're totally flexible. Mm-hmm. So like there was a East Nashville sponsored us last time and it's a local uh, bakery, coffee shop type place and they catered breakfast. We had uh, Billy Wayne Davis come in and we had biscuits with Billy Wayne a 7 o'clock show and they catered biscuit and gravy for everybody and uh, did some other stuff. But we have, we've had trade outs, we've had straight up cash, people just want their logo on the thing. We were giving away stuff from restaurants. We had a bunch of food trucks and uh, media sponsors and stuff. Whatever it is you do, you want to if you want to help us out and be a part of this, we've got something available, and we'll we'll certainly work with you. You know, I would think any caffeine. You know, the, this <laughs> yeah. country runs on Dunkin'. That's right, Dunkin'. A coffee sponsor would be fantastic. We did not. We provided our own coffee last time. The East Room provided the coffee last time. So we'll, and that thing was like, turning over pretty quick. Was, yeah, we that were knocking uh, through it. I know. I'm surprised it didn't burn that machine out. Yeah, yeah. A coffee sponsor would be great. Or if you just wanted to sponsor a couple of hours of it, like Chad said. Yeah. Um, get your name somewhere posted and listed and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we'll do you on stage mentions, and uh, of course your logo will be on stage and in uh, all the stuff online and uh, so like if you look at the photos from last year like all of our sponsor logos are all over all of them and it's still cool photos you know right so it's like uh, I don't know it works out well for everybody cool what are the dates this year oh May 15th through the 23rd um, we're starting a day earlier than the rest of the Wild West Festival and we're ending a, uh, the same well a day later as well so and if you do that that'll break the record by five minutes <laughs> This cracks me. We're doing it by five minutes total. What if like twenty comics walk in the door to, right when you're getting ready to wrap up and they want to do another five hours? It's too late. It's just five minutes. Come back next. Year. <laughs> <laughs> that kills me, man. That's great. Well, pretty cool. Uh, I guess that's all the information we need to give about the the festival. Yeah. The festival that's going along with it is called the Wild West Comedy Festival. Uh-huh. If you want to find out about that, I've got a link on the Facebook page, School of Laughs. Uh, if you just Google Wild West Comedy Festival in Nashville at the same time. Yep. Great comics already announced for that. And Jeff Foxworthy is going to be in town. Maria Bamford's coming. Maria Bamford. Uh, so if you're a comedy fan and a comedy performer, that's a great week to come to Nashville. The weather's nice. Yep. It was a little rainy last year, but I think uh, this year did, with yeah. the weather, it's going to be, you know, it'll probably be snow. We're getting everything <laughs> a couple of months late. But uh, it's a great time to come to Nashville. You can check out all kinds of stuff. It's going to be a great time, so make sure you, you jump on NashvilleStandup.com, check out the Broken Record Comedy Show, and just tell me the title of that record again. The, it, it was it's kind of a long title. Yeah, the official title is Longest Stand-Up Comedy Show, Multiple Comedians. Right, so we need lots of comics to pull yeah. it off. <laughs> we need at least one more comic to pop up than last year and do five more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Right, but there's lots of spots, and we hope to, to see you here. Like I said, use that promo code School of Laughs. When you register, you won't be charged a $10 fee, and you get 10% off in the store if you want to help support that way, too. That's right. Now, you know that the only way a comic gets better is stage time. Mm -hmm. That's it. And some guys came in, and they could do maybe 15, 20-minute sets. And at the end of the week, they were able to do as much as they could. I ended up doing like 30 hours of stage time that week, which if I booked myself to do an hour a night, I would get that same amount of stage time in a month. 
right. if I book myself every day, which never happens. And I did an hour every night. So like it was it was pretty amazing. And it springboarded a lot of people creative, creatively. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I would highly recommend it. Yeah, it's it was, a good time. I hope really you guys great. take advantage of it. Chad, you want to stick around for a couple of questions? Yeah, why not? Okay. Uh, I got these questions. Uh, I think both of these came in. One came through email, one through the Facebook page, school last page. And I'm just going to answer these real quick, and Chad, chime in with what you think as well. Uh, first one comes from Patrick Casey. He says, I'm an avid fan of the podcast based in the United Kingdom. Started comedy four years ago. Love the podcast and the tips. Got a question for you, if that's Okay. I was wondering if your place in the lineup of a comedy show should or could alter or change your set list. For example, if you're at the start of a show, maybe the audience isn't ready for heavy satire or politics right off the bat, whereas maybe later in the evening, the other acts have got the audience settled in and used to the rhythm of the show, and then boom, anything works. What do you think? Yeah, he's already on. He's already got it right. Yeah, you, you go up early and you want to kind of do broader stuff and... Like the best thing I ever saw, Lewis Black came and played Zanies years ago when he still played clubs, and he started off talking about the weather. He was talking about clouds. Everybody could relate to that. Now, he gets very, very specific and extremely political, but he started off talking about the weather, and everybody had experienced the weather that day. And he just brought everybody in, and it went more narrow and narrow and narrow and focused throughout the show until at the end, you know, he's screaming about a specific thing, mm-hmm. but you're on board because he started talking about the weather. That's It's important. Yeah. And, and, and then the other comic's like, yeah, you can pay attention to what they're doing and what's working and what's not. If somebody gets up and they're trying something super political and it's just failing, then maybe you think, oh, okay, well, maybe not tonight. Maybe this isn't the crowd for that. Right. <laughs> you know? No, I'm, I agree with you. I think uh, – I guess you could break the question down into two parts. One, just in your individual set whenever you're going on stage. Yeah. I like to start broad. I kind of think of my act as like an hourglass. Yeah. That's the way I'm shaped. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, it's very wide and broad. And then as I get them on my side, I narrow down, be more specific, more specific. Yep. And and that's about the middle point of the show. Then it starts going back out. I want to be broad and, and accessible as I finish up so I get yeah. everybody on board. Yeah. Uh, Lewis Black, like you were saying, more like a top where he just has a top <laughs> path where I'm going to get down to the minutia yeah. that, that bothers me at the bottom. So that's one way overall to look at your act. But then again, yes, in, in the big show. Of course of a show, yeah. You know, if you're the first person up, user-friendly, think of it as hosting. You know, even if you're going on a show of, you know, 50 comics – you know, and the MC just announces you, you now really have to MC because the MC yep. didn't do their job. So get the crowd warmed up and then kind of get into the stuff you think may be less accessible for some. Yeah. But make sure you prove that you're funny so that people that are questioning that early on are now on board with you and yeah. they can take that chance with you. That's one of the things I see a lot of people failing at where they'll want to do, um, they'll want to go up first but not MC at all. Like it's not cool to MC. Like and there's hacky things you can do. You can be like, "Hey, who's celebrating and things, stuff like that." Well, some of that is just icebreaker crap, and you can do it in your own way. You don't have to do that specifically, but you can do something to loosen people up and to welcome people to the show and make them feel comfortable before you just go into material. The worst thing in the world is getting on stage, being the first person in the lineup, and being already in fifth gear, just running full right. speed with material because <laughs> right. you just blindsight people and you don't do well, and then people don't understand why. Wow, why didn't I do well? This crowd sucks. Like, no, you just. You weren't in the moment. You weren't in the room. Yeah. You're, you're, just, you're just firing on all cylinders, and nobody's ready for that yet. Yeah. And He's it can, into it. It can be frustrating because, you know, I know many times I'll go in, I want to get a, a five-minute recording, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to start right where I want that recording yeah. to start. But sometimes you can't. So one one trick I did, um, you know, I would do the whatever icebreaker jokes or easy jokes in the front part, and then I would take the microphone off the stand like I just hit right, the stage. Right, just started, yeah. I said, well, it's great to be here. And then I start into the part that I want on the video. That's smart. So it looks like you just were brought on. 
That's so, pretty good, yeah. yeah. It's a nice little ninja trick to kind of start the video <laughs> where you want it to. So that's one uh, one piece of advice for you there, Patrick. So I hope that helps. It sounds like you already know the answer to your own question, which is why you ask questions. He's just fine. trying to get on the podcast. He's just trying to get mentioned. So congratulations, sir. You nailed you it. He did. And thanks for listening over in the United Kingdom. Oh, cool. I, I plan on making a trip over there. I do, too. We've got great. a lot of listeners over there. Okay, this other one comes in from Cindy Jones. She just found out about the podcast a month ago, loves the content, has actually inspired her to write more and longer bits than she's done before. She's got a question here about getting her routine down. She's like, do you have tips for how I should start to get it down? I was also wondering if I should let people read my stuff before uh, or try to sell the jokes when I deliver it to people just in conversation. It's hard for me to tell if things are actually funny or not or if I'm getting better until I get on stage. What tips do you have for getting your act down? Read it to people before. She's talking about reading her act to other comics? Yeah, I guess before she hits the stage, she wants to be as best prepared as she can. No, don't ever do that. Don't ever come up to me in a bar and start doing your material for <laughs> me before you get... And then get on stage and do the same material. I will hate you. I will hate you forever and avoid you for the rest of the eternity. Yeah, I think maybe <laughs> she's probably talking about her friends or yeah, people around uh, the house. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think try it out on stage. That's that's my favorite thing. Just go up there and try, and you'll figure it out. You know, And repeat. So like if it doesn't work at this open mic, go to the next one. Rewrite it and try it a different way until you figure it out. And since stuff, some stuff, you're, it's never going to work. Leave it in your notebook. Go back and revisit it later when you're bored or you're uh, stuck and you can't write anything new. Go back and rewrite that stuff because you've got a good idea there. You just may not be communicating it right or the timing may be off for some reason. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I think work it out on stage is my advice. All right. That's, I think that's a good place to do it. I like to – Kind of get it bullet pointed yeah. before I hit the stage. So I'll at least get my premise as defined as oh, I can. Yeah, have a set up and a punchline. Yeah, punchline, couple of tags. <laughs> I always like two tags yeah. for everything to kind of maximize the laughs. And and get that down to where I can I can say it when I'm driving to the show. Right. You know, the car is a great place. If you're going to be stuck in the car, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I would kill an hour by doing an hour yep. in the car. Absolutely. I talk to myself all the time. I do my act. And then you get there and you've got it. You, that's 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 a good advice. That is, I have trouble memorizing too. But if I'm going, if I'm driving, say two hours to go do a show, and I know I'm doing 15 minutes, I'll do that 15 minutes over and over and over in my head until I've I've just, I'm writing my own tags for it. Mm-hmm. And then you get there and you're already in the mood. And then maybe you've got it so down that you're riffing in the moment because you're able to. Right, right. right. That's a great point too. The more you have it down the easier it is to step out of it on stage. Mm-hmm. If you don't have it down at all, you're scrambling just to get the pieces together. Yeah. So I say get it to where you know what you're saying. Don't be afraid if you miss a couple of lines or yeah, you leave out fine. a tag here or there. Or if something pops up or a sentence is one sentence longer than it should be. Early on, just get it out there. I mean, I can't tell you. The the best advice I can give you is, is get it on stage. Yeah. Don't obsess for – I've probably told this story before, but I've got a friend who's a great songwriter. He's probably written over 100 songs. And every time he plays one for me, it's, it's phenomenal. But he's never pitched any of them because they're not perfect yet. Ugh, it's never going to be. Twenty no. years I've known the guy. Come on, and man. everything he's written is better than anything I've ever heard on country music radio. Right. And he just he's I got to get it perfect. Well, nobody you can't get it better until you get it out. You, you can't get paid for it until you you know you got to get this move it on. Don't be so afraid of failure. I agree. You fail fast and learn from it. I uh, Ralphie May one time said to me it at some point it has to be good enough. It may not be done, but it has to be good enough to just let go and do. And then, uh, and I have the same advice about recording CDs. If you've got a good hour, like Josh Wagner in town, brilliant young comic, one of the funniest guys I've ever met, and uh, he recorded a, an album. He recorded an hour at the East Room, I don't know, a couple months ago, and he's going to put out a CD. And some people are like, oh, it's too early. 
you know, well, uh, it's a good snapshot of what he's doing right now. And right. it's an incredible CD. It's incredible. And why not record it and put it out and then start working on your next hour? Go ahead and burn that material. It's yep. fine. Yep. Get it out there. Get paid for it. Yeah. Get happy. Get better. It's a good representation of what you're doing right now. Put it out. Yep. Yeah. Obsessing over perfection is nothing. You can't do that. Nothing happens. Th- then you are 20 years in and you have nothing to show for it. Yep. You know? Like, not that that guy's a bad guy, but I would rather have product. Yeah. I mean, proof of existence. Yeah. In history. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, look, he's put out all this stuff. And the other thing, too, when you get it on stage, comics will throw you a line. Comics mm-hmm. will, you know, if you ask, if you've been nice to the people around you, yeah. you know, and help them out in some way, they'll be happy to help you out with your set and they can expand and all kinds of good things happen from getting it out there. Oh, yeah. In fact, Cindy, if you haven't listened to the uh, Stretch podcast, I'll put that link in the show notes. It, it talks all about different ways you can get stuff on stage and stretch what you're doing now. It's an acronym, S-T-R-E-T-C-H. So there's like seven things there. S-T-R-E-T-C-H. <laughs> I can't even count and talk at the same time. But good question, Cindy. Hope that helps you out. Yeah. Overall, just get it good enough and get it out there. Yeah. And, and you'll rewrite it a bunch of times, I promise you. Yeah, some things five years later you'll think of the perfect way to summarize the whole joke with the tagline like, ah, I want to go back and re-record that CD. <laughs> yeah, and then it's fresh to you again. Yep, it's fun stuff. Cool. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks, Chad, for popping in here today. Yeah, anytime. Um, I'll be there at the the big broken record show. broken record show as the uh, date gets closer. I'll I'll link in some spots. And if you guys are listening and you're coming to Nashville, shoot me an email. I'll try to pop out and see your set, or maybe we can put our sets close together. And I can do my set. You can see me. I'll see you. We can hang out a little bit. That'd be fun. All right. Thanks, Chad. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.